like in the past week i've looked at so many like fan compilations that are titled things like tom holland is me for 12 minutes and tom holland giving away spoilers for 10 minutes straight sure just there's so much love in the fandom for him but like this boy is a clown (laughs) like he's just out there being his true self and it is so refreshing to see you want to know what my favorite Tom Holland interview moment is? It was actually a group interview. Mm-hmm. And it was him and Zendaya and Jacob Batalon, the guy mm-hmm. that plays Ned. Okay. And so they were doing promotional stuff for Far From Home. Mm-hmm. And they were doing um, an interview for Watch Mojo. Oh, okay. The lady, the countdown lady. So they're all sitting down, they're getting settled in, and the lady's like, oh, okay, cool, I'm from Watch Mojo," And they're like, oh, yeah, we love, because they're all Zoomers. They're like, oh, yeah, we, we love Watch Mojo. I love that. And, and then, like, one of them's like, you're watching Watch Mojo," and, and she's like, oh, that's me, that's my voice. And they're like, what? Say it, say the thing! <laughs> and so she does it. She does the little intro, and they, like, flip out, and it's oh like... My God. <laughs> And then they're just like, oh my god, we're in the presence of a celebrity. That's it was- so funny. That is so cute. That's yeah, that's how I am anytime I meet like a like a little, like a small, like a small known VA. Like, that's really funny. That's, yeah. That's good. Speaking of voice actors, I do want to say that I have found out that Robbie Damon, who voices Spider-Man in one of the cartoons, has nothing but time on his hands right now because I follow him on uh, Instagram. Uh, So I was like, man, my new goal is going to see if I can plug this podcast to Robbie Damon. Um, so when this episode goes up, we, as the podcast Twitter, are going to tweet Robbie Damon. And if, if you guys want to signal boost this, I really do want to get this on Robbie Damon's radar just so he can give us one line. I just want him to say, I'm Spider-Man and I was there. Like, that's it. That's all I want in life. Oh my gosh, that'd be great. Or Tobey Maguire or whoever. I'm going to put in my uh, 10 cents for uh, Yuri Lowenthal. Yeah. Because the game was so good. That game was super good. So yeah, so if you're if you've ever been a Spider Man or a Spider Gwen or a or a Spider Man Noir or a Spider Ham, oh yeah, we're gonna get Nicolas Cage on here. If there was anybody, I would think would do it. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, like if Nicolas Cage was like, yeah, let me, yeah, let me be on your podcast, I'd be like, fuck yeah, do it. But he wouldn't know where he was anyway. That's true. We have kind of a not as I don't want to say it's like a serious one because we're never serious here, but I think we have a cool action-packed little grittier episode this week yeah i i think we're we're pretty topical would you say yes okay (laughs) all right well (laughs) let's play the interviews so we can get into it get away from this cold open What's up, everybody? My name is Zeke. And I'm Kat. Uh, we are here to ask the question, was Spider-Man there? Uh, if you've listened to previous episodes, you kind of know what the story is here. But basically, I don't know anything about Spider-Man and Kat is uh, my Spider-Man guru. So what I have been doing every week is I pitch a story to Kat that we call Elevator Pitch. And basically, I try to make it as wild or as you know high concept as I can, which is not saying much. 
Cat uh, <laughs> has plenty of time to research it, and then I come here and I give her the live pitch, and then she gets to tell me if Spider-Man was there. And since this is your first time listening, there's also always a second mystery section that Cat never wants to talk about till we get there. So, <laughs> uh, so what's our theme this week, Cat? Our theme this week is a celebration, a non-denominational Captain America festivity. <laughs> yes. So we try not to get super topical on the show not for any other reason than just it's it's just easier that way um we're just here to have a good time we're just here to have a good time yeah but we've kind of planned out the airing of these episodes so if you're listening to this this is from the past (laughs) and you are in the future i hope it's nice there what's who's that behind you it's me in your kitchen eating a sandwich probably looking at a picture of Wolverine. (laughs) But (laughs) we have planned this in such a way that we realized that we were going to fall on a certain holiday that goes on in July, but that we were not particularly interested in celebrating. (laughs) However, we did want to pay tribute to everybody's favorite star-spangled golden boy, Captain America, Steve Rogers, who, again, I don't know anything about. I know that, well, I almost said Chris Hansen. I know that (laughs) Chris... I know that Chris Evans has that Dorito shape that everybody likes to talk about. And uh, I know he's got a great ass. And a cute dog. And a really cute dog. And apparently he's perpetually single, which is great, I guess. I hope you find happiness, Chris. And then also, he was like on a late night talk show and the host was like, I understand that you have this thing where you say, I don't like it. And he's like, (laughs) oh yeah, because my nephew says that and I just picked it up because I hang out with him all the time. But then they had like a compilation of interviews and like media (laughs) spots he had been in where they're like, who do you think would win in a fist fight? Captain America or uh, Captain America who could turn into the Hulk? And he's like, I don't like it. Like under his (laughs) breath. (laughs) But uh, this week, I hope you do like it. I only know one thing that Spider-Man and Captain America have in common, and I know that they are both connected to Iron Man. I won't say they're both friends, because as I understand it, Captain America and Iron Man are not friends, but Iron Man is like Spider-Man's new dad or something. So I thought it would be interesting to kind of look into like, what if all of them were in sort of a scenario and... You know, you're kind of butting heads about the morality of a certain person. This one was difficult for me because I, like I said, I only know a little bit about these characters. So for me, the conflict with Iron Man, I believe, is that he was ready to kill Captain America's best friend, boyfriend, the metal arm man. And then Captain America was like, no, you can't do that. And then they had a big punch fight. And there was that scene in the trailer where they were in like a room that looked like it was a foot wide and the shield was bouncing around everywhere. I remember that. Um, so for my story, I really wanted to kind of touch on like the moral relationship between Captain America and Iron Man and the emotional relationship between Iron Man and Spider-Man. And I, I do know all these characters have regular names, but it's just easier for me to use their hero names. So the basic pitch that I have is that Iron Man has not been in the public eye. It's sort of a time of peace, but there comes a villain or a great super evil of some kind. And it basically comes down to the moral choice of sacrificing the many for the few or the few for the many, because in order to take down this villain, they would basically have to eviscerate like a small island in like uncharted waters. But like this villain's nuke factory is not the only thing that's there. There's like a small town full of thousand plus people. So Spider-Man's like, well, whatever Iron Man thinks is right is what we should do because I trust him because that's my dad. And Captain America's like, well, use your brain. No, (laughs) we're not going to kill all these people. And Tony's like, well, we either kill these people or that guy kills everyone. And Captain America's like, I don't think that's a good idea. And Spider-Man's like, you know, in my guts, I don't think it's a good idea either. But I trust Iron Man's experience on this. And I want to say that there's 
some event that snaps and there is a great confrontation between Spider-Man and Captain America, who are two people that don't really want to fight each other, but they have just come to blows over this very emotionally charged relationship that they both have with Iron Man. And at the end of the day, I'm going to be honest, I didn't come up with a good ending for this one because I didn't feel like I knew the characters that well, like to Mm -hmm. determine like how an ending like this would turn out. But I do want to say that when I was jotting it down and I was kind of planning out the ideas, I feel like there's a lasting scar left either in the relationship that Peter has with Tony Stark or that Steve Rogers has with Tony Stark. So I do think that like, were it a comic, it would be a big event. It's not just like a side, wacky side comic. So like, yeah, so that's my pitch is basically like the morality of Iron Man has always been kind of not dubious, I guess, but like he's kind of a I do what I want superhero because I know best. I'm just interested to know if there has ever been a situation in which Spider-Man and Captain America were caught on either side of their moral and emotional connection to Iron Man. And I know that's kind of specific, but that's what I got for you. That's okay. So when you gave me the like five word, this is what I'm looking for prompt. Mm -hmm. I know I just immediately sent you like a gif of Karen from Will and Grace laughing. Yeah. And and I realized I missed the opportunity to send you the J. Jonah Jameson laughing picture. So I would like to retroactively pretend that I sent you that picture instead. Okay. Wow. I just got it. Look at him. He's laughing. I love this gif. Yeah. Yeah. He looks at you and then he just busts a gut. (laughs) Because I also wanted to confirm with you, like, what MCU movies you had seen. And Mm -hmm. I know that you'd seen a couple, but your memory of them was sort of hazy. Yeah. And that's fine. But what we're going to talk about today, we're going to we're going to go looking back into the past and we're going to talk about Civil War, which was a comic event. And then that was loosely interpreted to become Captain America Civil War. Okay. Which I assume you saw because you mentioned parts of it. I might have seen the whole thing, but it's vague to me. So honestly, it might have been playing in like a cafe I was in. That's fine. So they at their core have a lot of similarities, but I feel like the moral quandary that Iron Man and Captain America are fighting over is downplayed a lot in the movie version to make room for the Bucky subplot of things. Okay. So we'll talk a little bit about that. So in the MCU, what happens is after... Age of Ultron, you know, you've got the Avengers, they've got Scarlet Witch on the team, and they go out and they do missions or whatever. And then one of the missions just goes terribly wrong. Okay. And a lot of people get hurt and die. And there's a kind of a media backlash about like, whose fault is this? And like, also in this chain of events, there's someone who is actively manipulating things behind the scenes to frame Bucky Barnes, Winter Soldier, metal arm guy. Um, as, <laughs> as though he's responsible for the assassination of the king of Wakanda, so T'Challa's dad. Oh, wow. Okay. And all these machinations basically start turning public opinion against superheroes. And they start looking at whether it's okay for there just to be this super team that runs around, carte blanche, doing missions, not answering to anybody, potentially getting other people hurt. Like, who's responsible for that? This is the plot of The Incredibles. A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, go on. (laughs) Um, That's, I feel like, like so much of that gets shoved out of the way. And then what ends up happening in the movie is that Tony is like, oh, yeah, we really do need to answer to somebody. And... Captain America is like, "Mm, I don't know, civil liberties. And also my friend isn't responsible for that. And then it becomes a whole thing, right? Mm -hmm. So like I said, this is based on the Civil War comics, which 
was a bigger thing. <laughs> like, I don't know if you remember the scene where they fight in the movie and it's like 10 guys at an airport. <laughs> No. But it, okay, well, anyways, people were kind of laughing because in the movie, it's like there's half a dozen guys running towards another half a dozen guys at an, at an abandoned airport. And like that was the big fight. And in the comics, it's a much bigger deal. So I'm going to focus on the comics today. But just like I think a lot of people, their frame of reference is the movie. So I did want to touch on that. So um, if, you, if you're if you only going on the movie, you have to stop the podcast now. And you got to go read the comic because for God's sake, we are not going to be talking about the movie. Get out of here. (laughs) So one of the main differences in the comics is that rather than it being like an Avengers mission that's gone wrong, this is obviously an integrated universe where there's not just the Avengers, but like the X-Men exist and mutants exist and aliens exist and the Inhumans exist. You know, they're all in the 616 universe. Mm -hmm. So this is actually like a little ragtag team of teenagers who are trying to film a reality show and it goes horribly wrong. And one of them has like explosive powers and they cause this giant explosion and they kill like 600 people. Oh yeah. In like a suburb neighborhood. So that becomes like front page news. And of course the opinion of not just like superheroes, like self-made superheroes like Iron Man, but of mutants and other people who are like innately born with these powers mm-hmm. just starts tanking. And Tony Stark feels kind of personally responsible. A lot of people point to him because they're like, he's out there leading the Avengers and making everybody think that this is okay and that anybody can just slap on a pair of tights and be a superhero and that's irresponsible and he's out there endorsing it. And so he tries to do things like he goes to the funeral of this one kid and the mother confronts him mm-hmm. specifically and like she spits in his face and she tells him it's all his fault. And she kind of becomes this, you know, how there's always there's always like the figures, you know, like they're not the people that are actually making the laws, but they become like the figureheads. Yeah, like the spearheaders of like different things. Yeah. And so she actually is kind of like a minor recurring character in this, like Tony will do something and then he'll check in with her and be like, see this new legislation that I'm helping to to create? Like, isn't this good? And I'm doing it in memory of your son. And she's like, yeah, that's great, Tony, whatever. (laughs) (laughs) So... Tony and the government basically are like, okay, well, you're right. You know, we this is too much power for people to just have. And so he and a number of other heroes, but Tony's really at the forefront of it, believe that all superpowered individuals should become like public employees and they should mm-hmm. register with the government. And obviously Captain America isn't really crazy about that idea. And there's a lot of people that are on his side of things because he believes like if we sign up to be government agents, then the government gets to tell us who the bad guys are. Right. And that doesn't sit well with him because obviously the government is going to serve its own interests at all times. Correct. So he goes rogue from S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. And so like Tony's leading like the Avengers and like, look at us. We're all, you know, public servants. And Captain America forms the secret Avengers. That's um, not really what they're called. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Oh, Um, it's great. There's a couple like a couple pages on a panel or a couple panels on a page where he's handing out everybody on the team, like their secret identities. Uh And it's like him and I want to say Luke Cage and Daredevil. And he's like, okay, well, you know, I'm a dance instructor and like, oh, and I'm a librarian or whatever. And like Captain America's grown this mustache. Like that's going to fool anybody. It's, it's good. Oh, that's so funny. But uh, nobody ever accused Captain America of being uh, a creative. (laughs) So they basically are like, we're going to live under the radar And then when there's an emergency, I don't know if you're familiar with Cloak and Dagger. They're kind of not what I would consider A-listers. They did get a series recently that I think is pretty good. No no idea. 
Okay, well, anyway, so Cloak has the ability to, like, wrap people up in his cloak and teleport them places. <laughs> um, <laughs> Sorry, that's just really wild. So he, like, will teleport them onto the site. So, like, if there's an emergency, they can help people. And then he just like, gets them out real quick before the cops show up to arrest them, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So registration officially becomes law. And Spider-Man is kind of confronted with this reality because, like, he's always been in the situation where, like, what he does puts the people he loves at risk. Mm -hmm. And that's why he keeps his identity secret. And, you know, this was actually one of those moments where someone was like, Spider-Man's really, like, the only guy that has a secret identity in the Marvel Universe. People know who the X-Men are. Nightcrawler doesn't, like, I mean, what what good would you Nightcrawler to, like, put on a little mask and be like, oh, I'm somebody else, you know, like... Sorry, um, didn't he have a cool watch, though, that, like, made him look like a person? Yes, but that was more for other people's benefit. Like, okay. if he needed to go somewhere and not cause a scene. And they okay. kind of phased that out in later years. Sure. As mutants became more well That's crazy. But, like, See, I didn't know that. Like, like I would just, I don't know that much about X-Men either, because the last X-Men movies I saw were, like, the old ones with, like, Halle Berry and stuff in them. But it's interesting that you say that, like, Spider-Man's really the only person with a secret identity because like just now putting it in perspective i'm like oh my god yeah they're just all out there yeah exactly which is significant in this plot line but now he starts to think about like okay so on top of my vigilante things like can i afford the added risk of being a criminal on top of that like Mm -hmm. and adding that kind of risk to my activities and so he sides with iron man and also reed richards Mr. Fantastic of the Fantastic Four. Okay. Reed Richards and Tony Stark are the ones that are really like putting together this legislation and the technology to help enforce it. And Peter Parker has a close relationship with the Fantastic Four in the comics. So it, it makes sense that he would fall into that camp at first i should also add like spider-man and iron man are not close in the comics like they kind of are like antagonizing co-workers at best okay that's important to know okay um because i mean spider-man's like in his 30s you know like tony's not his dad you know oh Um, okay so this is see in my mind i'm picturing like a little no maybe spider-man no no he's grown yeah he's grown and yeah i think at this point in the comics he's married to mary jane so like yeah he's you know he pays taxes this man commits tax fraud (laughs) poster spider-man so tony stark is holding a press conference to talk about like what the laws are how they're enforcing them how this is going to keep everybody safe you know superpowered people and regular everyday joes and then spider-man shows at the press conference and he unmasks himself um, oh. and, re- and reveals his identity to the public as kind of like a show of good faith Uh-oh. not just for himself but also like for tony's plan spider-man is so symbolic right. and you know he's the people's hero so he's he kind of everybody knows who everybody else is and so if spider-man this person who's been protecting their identity is like i don't have anything to hide i'm i'm registering i'm becoming legit like mm-hmm. that's a big deal and so he gets like a suit upgrade like tony makes him the iron spider suit which is way dorkier looking than the one in the movie it's like red and gold it's okay. like oh man it's so bad it's so bad i mean it's his butt looks great but it's, it's such a bad suit <laughs> anyways <laughs> But so the Secret Avengers are operating and then they get a report about this explosion at some kind of like factory or something, you know, like, oh, my God, those people are trapped under rubble or whatever. And they go to it and then they get teleported in. But then it turns out it's a trap. And there's a huge confrontation where they're there and then Tony Stark shows up with his team and that includes Spider-Man. And there's a big fight, which you can tell the artist's had a lot of fun with because it's like when do you get to draw these characters who work side by side all the time punching the shit out of each other uh-huh. <laughs> um, it's kind of evenly matched but then like when spider-man shows up on the scene like he's good at his job he's been spidering a long time 
He's been cidering since he was 15. Mm -hmm. And he ends up having a multi-panel confrontation with Captain America. Where oh, okay. It, it starts to get, I mean, they're really coming to blows there. But it's still pretty evenly matched. And then for some reason, I don't know. I don't know what goes on in Tony Stark's head. And Reed Richards is the worst good guy <laughs> yeah, ever I to be like, existed. I feel like I've never met anyone that liked him as part of like i've met people that like like the fantastic four and usually the the rock guy who i'm always afraid to call the wrong thing his thing right that's his yeah, name okay the thing. i'm yeah i'm always afraid to call him something else or have it wrong yeah but a lot of, you know he's always a lot of people's favorite or whatever but literally never in my life not only have i never met anyone who's like oh really like mr fantastic but they but like actively people are like and then fuck reed richards yeah. <laughs> and i'm like why like what's the deal but now i am now i get it i think so tell yeah me. oh man reed richards is high authoritarian okay like, so much and and a lot of this plot revolves around him being like but the good of the many and his wife who's a sensible person sue sue storm being like um but you're being a dick about it and he's like but <laughs> yeah um anyways but they've created a cyborg clone thing copy of thor what and so, yeah and so that shows up on the scene and then it like fucking kills a guy it kills goliath just by like thunderbolting through his chest. And then like everybody just stops what they're doing and they're like, holy shit. Um, wait, 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 hold on. I gotta stop you for a second because Thor is my boy. Yeah. So the robot yeah. has Thor's powers? Basically, yeah. <sighs> I love comics. Yeah. Okay, and so that's like Leopard on change, but for it's like his off brand, like Walmart one. Basically. So that happens, and everybody's sent reeling, and Peter in particular is like, I'm not sure that I picked the right side. Like, if you guys think this is okay, and, you know, Tony Stark's like, no, no, it was an accident. You know, that wasn't supposed to happen. You know, we didn't intend for this. And he, like, pays for the guy's funeral and stuff. But, like, Peter's not having it. And so he confronts him, and then he's like, I'm out of here. I'm not doing this anymore. And Tony's like, well, what about MJ? What about your Aunt May? And Spider-Man really isn't having it. So he leaves. But at this point, the Avengers are now working with a lot of uh, supervillains. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like a Suicide Squad situation okay. where they're like, well, you're registered. So that technically makes you legitimate, but we're keeping our eye on you. Uh, and okay. so they send a lot of like Spider-Man's rogues gallery after him and they beat the shit out of him. But he manages to escape with the help of the Punisher and then... They make it to Captain America's camp mm -hmm. and he joins Team Cap for the rest of the story. And then he secrets Spider-Man. He Well, he does change back to his regular suit. I don't know. It's I think it's very symbolic because he talks it's, about how good it feels to be in his old suit. And another character, I think it's Luke Cage, is like, it's actually really nice to see you in those colors because it makes me feel like things are going back to normal. That's the part of the comic where it would play that big orchestral version of the Spider-Man theme <laughs> that I love that I talked about in like the first episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's so cool. Um, and then Spider. they fight a bunch more and a bunch more crazy stuff happens. Okay. But you gotta read the comic to find out. Yeah. Okay. So cool that was a lot more information that i guess i thought there was gonna be like not that you ever are slacking on the research that's not really what i mean but i kind of came to this one with like well i i'm not sure spider-man and captain america would get along but i don't know and like to learn that spider-man and iron man or peter and tony i guess have such a like a different relationship in the comic that i not pits peter against steve but you know what i mean it's really interesting and it's interesting to like take a look at the way that we translate comics into film to make them more i guess digestible 
Mm-hmm. Because a lot of people, this is going to get me in big trouble, a lot of people really hail the MCU as being like brave films. And I don't really think they are. I think they're films that are available for people of all ages to consume. Sure, sure. Um, I don't think they take huge risks. They, I mean, they certainly do, but I don't think they're, like I said, huge risks. And to think about, like, to conceptualize the idea of this comic having been made into a film, people would hate it. I feel like the the vast, like, movie-going audience would be like, nah. But, like, I really like this story. I'm really into the idea of Peter having this sort of revelation, like, oh, I definitely picked the wrong side. Like, I don't know. I feel like Spider-Man's a very virtuous character. Not that he's, like, pious, but, like, he's very earnest. Like, he's a good-hearted character. Yeah, I, um, I would say that for sure. I almost sometimes feel like, again, we've talked about the secret post-it note that goes around Marvel Studios, you know, what Spider-Man is and isn't allowed to do. Right. I feel like there's almost something about canon Peter Parker that he's not allowed to be evil <laughs> right <laughs> or to be a bad boy right um like i i think a lot about the disney like mickey mouse code but like mm-hmm. how like mickey mouse cannot be scary right and like you can't portray mickey mouse in certain ways and i mean obviously we have peter parker being conflicted or peter parker having moral quandaries but like we got to come back around and and i feel like that's why the alternate universe stories and the what if stories are so interesting to explore because mm-hmm. we get to see these like not quite Peter Parker's where like they really indulge their dark side or are just flat out bad guys. And that's really interesting. I'm really um, enamored, not enamored. I'm really fond of the idea of Spider-Man having to change his moral point of view without going from like a bad guy to a good guy. Yeah. It's it's really a, a case of like what I thought was right is not the right thing. And I feel like that's such a powerful message, especially like right now. Like I know we said we're not gonna get political, but I do. This is a very important message for me. And we're about the yucks, but I do want to say this. The lesson that it is okay for your moral code to change because you gain new information, which is more realistic to human life than comic book life, because Goliath dying is not gaining new information so much as a traumatic event. But I think it's really interesting and really good to have that sort of representation that it's it's okay to say like, oh, maybe I'm maybe the thing that I am supporting is not the not the thing that's right. So that's cool. Uh, thank you for doing that research. I know that must have been a slog for you. It was a lot of rereading. I had read this a couple of years ago, but uh, it was fun to revisit. Well, I'm glad you had fun. I was doing a bit. but <laughs> So having um, visited and revisited this uh, big comic, cat, because you are the authority, I will ask you, was Spider-Man there? And did he get in a fight with Captain America about Iron Man? I would say that, yeah, Spider-Man was there and then he wasn't. <laughs> okay. Well, he then he was secret Spider-Man who does not exist because he's a secret. <laughs> yeah. Whenever there's a, a pitch that I, I bring and you're like, yeah, he was there. I always say like, I'm not disappointed. But like, honestly, for this one, I'm really not because I was going to be floored if this didn't exist. Like I came to the <laughs> table and I was like, man, if somebody doesn't write this, I am going to have to go into comics (laughs) like i'm gonna have to just do what are you guys doing over there yeah like like you know that little meme of the cat with the broom he's like i nobody else in this damn house (laughs) (laughs) that's me every time i come up with a pitch that nobody's written like my really good uh hairy one and my really good spider son one nobody helps me in this damn house (laughs) shall we move on to the next part of the episode let's okay
Uh, before we get into our actual second segment, I want to have a little quick correction from a previous episode. Zeke, you asked me a while back if Spider-Man had ever been a luchadore, Mexican wrestler. Yeah. And I told you no. <gasps> Were you wrong? I, maybe. Okay. It, fuzzy, but I'll explain. Um, I was going back through Spider-Verse comics. Uh-huh. And one of the issues is a bunch of mini stories, you know, mm-hmm. like four or five pages long. Mm-hmm. And there is a like a five page comic that I was going over that takes place in Mexico. Uh-huh. And it's all in Spanish, which is cool. Incredible. And in it, the Spider-Man character starts out the story as a young boy mm-hmm. whose father is a luchador named El Arecnido. And oh. his partner is the Scorpion. <gasps> okay. And he, as a young boy, he sees his father in a fight and like he's getting the shit kicked out of him. He's like calling out to his partner to help him. But then the scorpion is just like, uh, what? I don't. So what are you talking about? And, <laughs> and so he ends up like just getting severely injured in the fight and like gets hospitalized and like has to quit wrestling. Um, and then the kids finds out that the scorpion was getting paid off to throw the fight. No. And so that fills him with this like sense of justice and righteousness. And so then as an adult, he becomes the a Spider-Man figure, which isn't named, but I'm going to have to assume is like El Aracnido or whatever. Sure. That has this like cool blue and red, like zigzag lightning pattern on his suit or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so then we get to see this like short adventure where he's like taking down some like crime lords or whatever and like rescuing a little girl and stuff like that. And he still, you know, is humorous and it's it's really cute. I have to reasonably imagine that if he was going to pick up a fighting style, he would have picked it up from the wrestling ring. Okay, and, okay. And from the people there. So, so you know, it's kind of hard, hard to judge on like four or five pages, but... So it's like a, he, a luchador by proxy. Yeah, I mean, I have to assume that like, where would he get training from? You know, he's like this little kid whose dad is gravely injured or dead, possibly. Like, mm-hmm. he must know his dad's friends in the wrestling ring, so... Right. This is the best news I've gotten all week. <laughs> I'm so excited. I just love the idea of Spider-Man being a luchador. I don't know why. I feel like every character is so much funnier if they're a luchador. Like, I understand that, like, Mexican <laughs> wrestling is, like, a real thing. And, like, I, I know people take it seriously. And, like, I get it. Like, if you're into if you're into Mexican wrestling, if you're listening to this and you love Mexican wrestlers, or you love luchadors or whatever, feel free to come for me. It's fine. I just think it's hilarious. I just think it's so funny. Literally, it comes down to how weird the masks look and how, like, redonkulous all their, like, personas are. But, I don't know, it's just, like, followed me through my whole life. Like I said, like, I watched Mucha Lucha as a kid and... I really liked really like Nacho Libre in my adolescence, <laughs> uh, which is an embarrassing thing to admit. And then there was this mobile game called Burrito Bison, I think. And that was a game about a luchador whose persona is a burrito and he fights evil gummy bears. And Sounds uh, very, uh, muy autentico. Right? <laughs> so, and then here I am now and I'm like, Spider-Man's a luchador. <laughs> That's my secret thing that always makes me laugh every time is the presence of a luchador. The travelers have come far on this journey. I feel like we've talked so much in the first segment. Kat, please tell us about the second segment of the show. All right. The next segment is called Two Truths and a Fic. And in this segment, I will present Zeke with two canon storylines from Spider-Man Media and one fan creation. And Zeke has to try and determine which of them is the odd man out. And how good am I at this game? You are as good as I expect you to be at this game. (laughs) (laughs) She's so nice. I'm abysmal. I don't get it right very often. Now, I did. I do want to say that's like my catchphrase i always say i do want to say before stuff this is my my moment my hill to die on 
I did get it right in the episode about the Osbournes, and I did get the Green Goblin sticker, and I do still love James Franco's Harry Osborne. So <laughs> hopefully I will get it right this time. But if I don't, I still count that one as my greatest victory. That's my magnum, my magnum opus. My life literally will not get better than that moment. Today's sticker is a threefer. It's Tsum Tsum, Spider-Man, a Captain America, and Iron Man in a pile. And it says, ooh <laughs> <laughs> Like Al Pacino? I guess. <laughs> ooh <laughs> All right, here's the first one. Now that he's part of the Avengers, Peter is eager to bond with his teammates, starting with Cap. Mm-hmm. It should be easy. They were both awkward nerds with special interests before fate stepped in. So why can't Peter manage to break the ice? Okay. Is that a pun because they found Captain America frozen, uh, do you think? <laughs> yes, surely. Uh, great. I love it. Just like they found Aang. <laughs> um, okay, plot two, please. With the nation torn in half, many superpowered individuals flee to the West, a wild, untamed land where individual liberties are paramount. Peter follows Steve Rogers into the blue as his right-hand man, donning a new suit and equipment as he fights to protect the freedom of its residents. Hold on. They go to the West? Is this like a cowboy thing? Can you tell me that? Okay. It is not a cowboy thing. So they, I mean, just, they just go to California? Uh, just west. Okay, okay. Like, like from St. Louis on. <laughs> Spider-Man said, hey, St. Louis, it's been real deuces. <laughs> okay, man, that was, because like when you said it, they were like, they go to the west. I was like, oh, did Prairie Spider-Man? Like, but no. I mean, kind of, yeah. Because okay. it's not like cowboys, but it is, you know how in the future sometimes shit, you know, the Mad Max kind of. Okay, you know, okay, like, okay. Yeah. All right, I'm with you there. Okay, I got you. All right. Plot three, please. Number three. Peter knew it was going to be a bad day when he woke up and found out there was no coffee. After a chain of increasingly frustrating events, he lashes out, in plain clothes, at an attacker on the street. Passersby almost take him down until Cap shows up and takes Peter aside for a friendly chat and maybe a cup of coffee. That is the most wholesome thing I've ever heard in my (laughs) life. Except for the part where Spider-Man puts a beat down on some dude. He gets real close. Oh, okay. But the guy's a bad guy, right? Like, that's the... Yeah, like, the guy, like, like starts a fight. And oh, then, okay. And then Peter just has trouble controlling himself because he's just had such a bad day. Okay. So, in summary, it's, why can't we be friends? Mm-hmm. And it's not cowboys. And the very bad, no good day. Yes. Okay. Hmm. I'm actually I've come to very quick conclusion with this one. Mm-hmm. I think the very bad no good day is canon. I think Spider-Man not having coffee canon. I think them going to California or wherever is also canon. And the only reason I I guess that is because I have been friends with you for so many years <laughs> that I know that the, that something called the West Coast Avengers exists. So I have to assume that this is related to that. So that's my logic for those two. And then also, I just think that the idea of these two characters, like the hinge of them both having been like little nerds with special interests, I feel like very much appeals to fans. So I can I can really see someone writing a fanfic about those two getting along. So yeah, like this one, I, I didn't have to ponder on too much. I'm probably wrong, <laughs> but I'm going to go with my gut. I'm going to say thick and truth and truth. And that's my final answer. All right. So you are right. In that someone wrote the first plot? No. 
but you are wrong in that it was Zeb Wells writing for Avenging Spider-Man number five. No. Oh, man, I really thought I had this one. Was I right about the West Coast Avengers at least? Yes, that one is canon. Well, okay. I mean, it's not West Coast Avengers, but that one is canon as well. Okay, okay. So the two things are there, but it's a coincidence. It's like they go to the West and I know about West Coast Avengers, so I put it together that it was canon, but they're not. <laughs> it's not the same thing. <laughs> not the same thing. Okay, so luck. Luck is the word I'm looking for. <laughs> okay, so the, so the third one is the fanfic? Yes. I love it. All right, so the first one is from Avenging Spider-Man number five. Mm-hmm. I love the Avenging Spider-Man series. It sounds very um, hardcore, like Avenging Spider-Man. Yeah, I was going to say, like, did he die? No, but it's, oh, it's so good. It's so cute. It's cute? It's it's adorable. So this is a series where Spider-Man has joined the Avengers, uh-huh. but but also Spider-Man is, like, kind of a dork. <laughs> um, oh, that's kinda, new. Yeah, not even kind of. And everybody on the team, you know, knows he's Peter Parker. But what I like about Avenging Spider-Man is that it's a very good starter comic that if you knew someone that wanted to read Spider-Man comics and they didn't know where to start, you could throw them Avenging Spider-Man and they could read it on their own Mm -hmm. and that would be fine. The other thing about it is that a lot of the issues are, I would call them like buddy issues, Mm -hmm. where it's Spider-Man and another character and they have a little adventure together and that's cute or whatever. Like 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 when Scooby-Doo used to meet celebrities? Yes, just like that. Okay. So it'll be like him and a, and one of his teammates. You know, like there's one where he's doing stuff with Hawkeye. There's one one or two where he's doing stuff with like Daredevil and the Punisher shows up. But issue number five is the Captain America issue. And it starts off with Peter Parker finding out that like a history museum has uncovered Steve Rogers' old drawings and comics that he drew like before he became a super soldier. Oh, wow. And some of them are being like auctioned off and stuff like that. And so Peter is like, oh, maybe I could get this autographed or whatever. Like, oh, you used to draw. And he's like, wait a minute. Yeah, this is how I make friends with Cap is like I, you know, we were both nerds, right? Like I, you know, I was really into chemistry and like he was an artist and like do we have something in common? And Steve is just not having it. Like he's just, oh, you know, I used to draw comics about soldiers and war and then I fought in some and he was like, <laughs> but but friendship. And also, Avenging Spider-Man number five is noteworthy for having one of the most homoerotic pages in all of comic book history. Is it the one where Spider-Man's, he's so weedle and Captain America's so big <laughs> yeah. and it's like the picture of the hamster eating the banana? Yeah. Ah! I can't believe <laughs> That is one of the only Spider-Man panels that I've seen and remember in my brain. Remember last week we talked about the Loki and the hot dog one? Yeah. Uh, this is the other one. <laughs> like, I literally, okay, tangent, I was really into the game Detroit Become Human for a little while. And so Mm -hmm. like the fandom for that is really good. The two characters that everybody's really into are the big old cop Hank and then the little the little like twink robot. And so in the fandom, because of their size difference in the fandom, there's like a joke. We just say Hank big because like Hank is the detective and he's so much bigger than the android. And I remember like seeing that panel being like, Steve big. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Like that's all I can think about. It's just like, damn. Steve Big. (laughs) That's it. That's all I got. Thank you so much for making this relevant to my life (laughs) for a reason other than my thirst. I'm not even thirsty for Captain America. Just that panel. Yeah, I think my favorite description of that panel was like, there's no heterosexual reason for this. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely not. Of course not. Okay, so everybody go read that. Everybody go look at that panel and then you can tweet us and tell us what you think. 
this is where we're going to do our shameless plug. If you look at the panel and you want to tell us what you think before we get into the other two stories, Kat, where can they find us on social media? You can find us on Twitter at WasSpideyThere or drop us an email. Write us a sonnet about that page and that panel. If you are an artist and you do an artistic rendering of this panel, we would love to see it. Yeah, drop us an email at WasSpideyThere at gmail.com. So that's our plug. And now Kat's going to tell me about the, the next story. This was a comic that I accidentally read. I had actually picked a different story for this segment, and then I read this and I liked it so much I had to include it. Mm -hmm. And the reason I accidentally read it is because this is also called Civil War. What I was talking about in the first segment was Civil War from 2006. And this is sort of a reimagining of the events of that series. Mm -hmm. This was came out in 2015 if things had gone terribly wrong. And so instead of things getting resolved semi-peacefully, the fight just continues. And then when I said, oh yeah, they go to the west of St. Louis, that's because St. Louis has been exploded and there's literally like this giant canyon dividing the country in half. And Iron Man and the people that want to live under registration are on the East Coast. And then Steve Rogers is kind of the unofficial president figure for everybody on the West. And I do hang on. I do just want to clarify something. Both of these comics are just called civil war, but they are literally about the same plot, except for where the path like diverges. Diverges. Yeah. Oh, come on. Yeah. So I was a couple of pages into reading this one and I was like, are they are we about to have a flashback why are we so far into events and then like oh no okay all right i just clicked on the wrong thing that's a trap that's that's to make you that's to up readership yeah we comics are just comics are just a conspiracy by the comic companies to sell more comics that's it (laughs) but what i liked about this was i'm sure you've seen like people joke about or draw art about it's like what if peter parker had been born in the suburbs you know or like had been born in a small town and it's Mm -hmm. just like him sitting on top of a barn being like huh (laughs) (laughs) but in this reimagining he's moved out with steve to the west and now he's outfitted with the same sort of suit that the falcon wears where he's got like a winged suit that's like really lightweight And, and so he's sort of learned how to use this flying equipment like he's still super strong he still has webs and everything but like he obviously doesn't have buildings to jump off of so this is kind of the the new solution for that okay he's gotta be jumping somehow yeah (laughs) so i just thought that was a really cool imagining and like problem solving for the character um Mm -hmm. that makes sense because like he's the tech guy he's a he's an inventions guy like that makes perfect sense and i just i thought it was a really interesting reimagining of that plot line and to be honest like the the way events unfolded kind of felt a little more satisfying than the way they did canonically but that's another thing (laughs) i do like that though i like that they're like um it's like they're hanging out and then st louis blows up and captain america looks at spider-man and he's like how do you feel about california (laughs) (laughs) that arch gone it's cooler shit in california yeah yeah like the the big haunted bridge do you know about that? The Golden Gate no. Bridge? Like, because of climate change, the wind is blowing through, like, San Francisco Bay differently now. So, uh-huh. like, the Golden Gate Bridge has basically become a huge woodwind instrument. Uh... And there is a constant eldritch hum now when oh. you when you cross the bridge. <laughs> it's, and it's consistent. Like, they can't make it stop because of the way the bridge is built. And I know that that's how we're going to summon the kaiju for the cherry on top of 2020. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Tell me about Peter Parker's coffee. Ha ha! Pete's coffee! <laughs> this is the last episode. We have to cancel this show. I have too much power. Go on, please tell me about this, this before I say anything else. So this one's called The Old Razzle Dazzle. And okay. It's, yeah, it's cute. It's by 01NM. Like, 01NM. And I thought this one was cute because... I really like the idea that, like, even when Steve Rogers is out of uniform, because he's just walking around, like, in his khakis in the story. Because he's a dad. Yeah, that he would see somebody struggling and just be like, come on, son, let's go sit down and have a chat about this. And, like, he obviously recognizes that, like, this kid he's run into has superpowers. But his reaction is like, let's calm down. Let's have a cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. Let's let's chat this out. And I that just felt really true to the character for me. Yeah, I do like um, that. And I... Uh, I don't know that it's explicitly stated in this story, but I do get the read that this author was giving Peter Parker, like maybe some autistic qualities. Like they, they mentioned him like hand flapping. And also part of the reason he's so stressed out is because like the day didn't follow the pattern that he had set for it and things like that. Like there's some little like ticks that I was like, okay, this is probably like how they're interpreting this character, which is, you know, I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a thing. But yeah, it was just a really cute story where they have this conversation and like Steve seems really personable and that's just kind of how you want to imagine that your super characters are on their days off, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now I do, I'm so stuck on domesticity like as a trope. I feel like people are constantly like grappling and reaching for like, what's the next cool thing I can write about? But like, God damn, I just really like reading about superheroes and super, super villains and shit I'll just on their day off. Like... What are they doing? How are they hanging out? And so I really like the the concept behind this this fic. And I love that it's called The Old Razzle Dazzle. Yeah, same. That's incredible. <laughs> Wait, wasn't that the name of our first episode? It was. <laughs> that old Raimi Razzle Dazzle. <laughs> yeah. Also, who, uh, what did you say the author's handle is? It's the number 01NM. Okay, so the whole state of New Mexico wrote this fanfic. <laughs> wow. I'm... Uh, upset that I got this one wrong, but only because I really thought my thought process was good. These all sound like great stories and a great fanfic, and I am really excited to read them. But we should probably wrap this up. You've come a long way with us, and we've talked about a lot of things. But Kat, do you have a cool piece of Spider-Man trivia for us this week? This week I have a cool piece of Captain America. I don't... This week I have a piece of captain america trivia it's not cool it's it's amusing okay what i learned was that when they created captain america in the 1940s he was not originally called captain america the character sketch was drawn and they were like hashing this out like we need someone to punch hitler in the face and they had designed the character and then kind of scribbled down in the quarter the working title was super american but Uh yeah that got shelved because this was the era of Superman and every comic book character was super something. Right. And so they were like, there's just too many super whatever's out there. And so they went with Captain, which there were less of at the time. And it just, I don't know, it sounds better. But never fear, because there was a super American. <gasps> Not like Captain America debuted to great success and popularity mm-hmm. and totally unrelated to that a publisher called fiction house that was publishing fight comics introduced their own character the super american Uh-oh. and 
I just thought his story was wild. Basically what happens is that like a normal scientist in the 1940s is like, oh my God, the war is going on. It's so terrible. We really need help. And manages to open up like a portal to <gasps> communicate with the future. And he's like, you have to help us. And so from the year 2350, they send back the super American to come and help out with the war efforts in the 1940s. Oh and he's basically God. the same Except that he comes from the future, like everything else about him is the same. And the bad news is that Super American only lasted for four issues. No! Uh, Fight Comics number 15 through 18. The good news is Super American is public domain now. <laughs> oh! So we can do whatever we want with him. You can, you can. Man. So if anybody wants to talk to us about, you know, developing that Super American uh, movie. Yeah, Super American is going to be the voice of the whole movement right now super american is gonna help us conquer 2020 god please he's, he's gonna abolish the police <laughs> if someone could just open up a portal to 2350 and yeah. just help us out that'd be great he comes back to he comes back he's like oh you guys haven't gotten to the zombies yet all right we're good <laughs> but oh i see you still have the cops i guess i will have to take care of that <laughs> <laughs> well we'd like to thank you for joining us on our non-denominational american not holiday my name is zeke and i'm kat and uh we'll see you next week Hey, Spidey Pals, it's Zeke. If you like the stories we talked about in today's episode, here's where you can find them. They are Captain America, Civil War, the movie, Civil War 2006, Civil War 2015, Avenging Spider-Man number five, and the featured fanfic this week was The Old Razzle Dazzle by 01NM, like 01 New Mexico. New Mexico, we know you wrote this fic. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Bye. All right. You know, the one thing that I didn't get to get in this episode because we were running so long was in Civil War, Tony and Reed Richards build this super prison in the negative zone, which we talked about. Mm -hmm. And I really wanted to do a bit about like Daredevil being stuck in the super prison, being like, my dearest Electra, it has been six years since I've been locked in. <laughs> the, the authorities insist on feeding me only biscuits and water. You know, with like a harmonica in the background. Yeah. <laughs> you know what you could do is just clip this part out and tack it on at the end as like a little bonus. <laughs>